G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology. This is the Round 19 Review Edition as the race for the final eight hots up. Big weekend to talk about. Uh, Richmond looking very ominous after uh, that powerful uh, performance against Collingwood on Friday night. Uh, in contrast, the Magpies looking very, very wobbly. Four losses from their last five now and a truckload of injuries, as I say, a very good evening to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? I'm well, and the word that comes to mind is fresh. It's fresh outside. Stays quite cool in Melbourne. Fresh is the review you get with footyology. I don't think there's any fresher in the world of football, is there? No, no. And fresh is the produce on a beautiful Andrew's Hamburgers. The meat is 100% Australian beef. Tender, juicy. And then you get beautiful farm fresh non-cage eggs, fresh salad, you know, your tomato, your lettuce. Water still dripping off it. Almost paw printed by the farmer who plucked it from the soil. All available 144 Bridport Street. You on, forgot the buns. I was going to say, on Rowan's favourite buns. He's a bun man. I'm a bun man. Every single ingredient handled with tender, loving care. Don't miss it. Andrews Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. And if you want a new home? I would go straight to Nick's Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. It's cold outside, but it'd be warm inside with all of those latest double glazed glass, big windows to look out on the world. And pity those who don't live in a Spartels and Hardwick. And you might get one of those lovely uh, black hoodies too that I uh, can barely take off since uh, I was lucky enough to grab one. Um, we'll have details of our competition too, finally. We had to delay announcing the winner last week due to some technical issues. Winners have been, a winner has been selected. We are also reminding people that there's a new competition for your dream commentary team of all time. We gave our, and there's been a bit of discussion about the best commentary teams going around today, both TV and radio, but we're looking for the great commentary team all time. You can delve back into the past, you can put the living with the not living to give yourself two commentators, two special comments man, and a boundary rider. And send your entries to info at footyology.com.au. That is just a taste of what's to come on this packed episode. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology, wrap around. And round 19 kicked off with a blockbuster, a bona fide blockbuster at the MCG Friday evening. Collingwood taking on Richmond, a battle for fourth spot on the ladder and won comprehensively by the Tigers in fairly inclement conditions. That didn't stop 78,722 people turning up to the MCG uh, to see a really ominous performance by the Tigers finally. They won in the end 14-14-98 by 32 points over the Pies, 9-12-66. And I have to say, as decent a gap as 32 points was, it probably flattered Collingwood a bit, a couple of cheapies at the end. 
And when this game was on the line, Richmond were just far too powerful. What do you make of it? Uh, first of all, I love Richmond Collingwood games with big crowds because it allows me to park my car and not lock the doors when I know that there yes. are 80,000 of them at the MCG. We got the joke done, yep. The inclement weather did not deter, defer, or deter, deter those hardy souls to go and see what they hoped would be a contest, but they were, I guess, those desperate for a close game. Disappointed a long way out. There was a clear gulf of forward firepower between these two teams, and whether it was in the rain or when it dried off a little bit, it didn't matter. Uh, Tom Lynch is proving to be... It's funny. Tom Lynch, and I know you're going to talk about him a bit later, has been throughout his career a pretty consistent four or five goal goal kicker, almost frustratingly so, as he can rack up four in the first half and rarely gets too many more. You know what? The game has changed. Rather than him needing to kick more, five goals a game or four goals a game now is a great return for a full forward. So for the times, he's a great man to have. I I thought they were just so impressive. They really are getting back to that 2017 type. Hunt. Yeah, swarming pressure around the ball carrier. They just bullock the ball forward, you know, by handball. Um, There were some interesting stats during the week about the amount of territory they gained via handball, but often just handball into space. That's how confident they are. They're going to have a flock of midfielders running onto it. Um, they, they were too tough for the Pies, and a burst of nine unanswered goals basically settled this game well and truly by half time. Um, and that was despite losing Trent Cotchin fairly early in the piece yeah. with a hamstring injury. I thought uh, the midfield is really on song. Dusty Martin, back to his absolute best. He's a not a magician. He, he's an artist, I reckon. 38 disposals for Dusty and two goals, all used um, with maximum effect. Dion Prestia really hitting some great form. Hand up with 35. Basher Hawley off halfback in his uh, 200th game, 31 disposals for Basher. And for the Pies, really um, can't avoid injury talk. Of course, they lost Taylor Adams. No sooner had he come in, but he was out again. Um, Jordan Ruffhead concussed during the game, which is a pretty unfortunate thing to happen if you're taking on Rewalt and Lynch. And uh, post this game, more devastating news to the Pies. Jordan Degoe, hamstring injury, definite to miss next week, and you'd think maybe one or two more. And Isaac Kanor also will miss next week with injury. They're running out of bodies, finally, and uh, if they're not careful, um, I think they might have surrendered their top four spot. They're not going to be in a position to come any closer to winning that flag they almost grabbed last year. No, they are in reverse in a big way, and they are finding it hard to stop the slide because, not just because of injuries, but because of a forward line that has been problematic from day one. Let's be honest, the hope invested in Mason Cox, and there was great hope on the back of last year's preliminary final win over Richmond, where he was the central figure, has not parlayed, I know, you know I like that word, but it hasn't developed, let's just say, into a reliable forward line. Yes, Mahicek is a good, hard-working forward. He kicked two late goals. Let's put that aside. The main thing is that Cox competes and not goes underneath the ball or doesn't get to the ball because then you had what you had on Friday night, which is the brilliant Dylan Grimes picking off marks in the back line and basically repelling forward action. They're not a good enough forward line that they can get away uh, without their midfield being dominant. They need their, they need their midfield being on top to create quick clean delivery. 
to the likes of Cox and Majacek. That certainly didn't happen. And, yeah, you're talking about one of the great defences, even without Rance there, um, Grimes and Asprey. You know, if there's two better tall def- uh, two tall defenders with better judgment than those two, um, I'm not sure who they are. So uh, a really emphatic win by Richmond and uh, Pies in awful trouble. One observation, one question as we leave the game behind us, Ray Richmond. Observation with Dustin Martin, because he's back to his best. Do we agree with that? Yeah, we do. And to me, the trademark of Dusty being back to his best is that there are two Dustin Martins. They are two separate footballers, and you get them in the one game. You get the midfielder that is an extractor, powerful player, great when he's got the ball to be able to fend off an opponent, create space. So he's a wonderful midfielder. But when he goes forward, he really is a, and I'm not going to say goal-hungry, but goal-conscious forward, who... You know that when you kick the ball and he's down in the forward line, his intent is to kick a goal. Yep. And not there's nothing wrong with that. There's very there's not enough players who set sail for goal like he does. So you've got the true forward and a true midfielder in one player. Now the question, and I ask you this, Rowan, which way will Richmond go as Nancurvis is about to return? Does Nancurvis play as the only ruckman? Or do they retain Chol or Soldo, probably Chol, and go taller than they did in 2017? Remember, they've already got two tall forwards. I think they will, because uh, I think Chol, I think they'll hang on to Chol and, and Soldo will be unlucky. I, I think Chol's got enormous upside, and he's he's very athletic, and I think he's versatile. Now, before I know it looks good, but does that mean Caddy finds it hard to get back in? Well, he does. He does. He he may not get back in, but, uh, you know, a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. Still another four games. Very quickly, one-word answer. Can Collingwood win the premiership? Yeah, but not this year. Okay. I I don't think they can either. (laughs) Not a chance. Not a chance. Well, I don't think they can. All right. That's enough on the MCG Friday night. Let's head down to Tassie Saturday afternoon. Launceston, Saturday afternoon, the early game. Hawthorne taking on Brisbane and another terrific win to the Lions. Their sixth in a row. First time they've achieved that since 2002 by 27 points. 13 goals, 9, 87, defeating a very inaccurate Hawthorne, 7, 18, 60. Uh, Two goals to Christensen, two to Cameron, two to Zorko, two to Rayner, singles the rest. And for the Hawks, two each to Burgoyne and Nash singles the rest. Uh, another really workmanlike, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, a win that really sort of underscores that this is a genuine quality side finally because difficult conditions down there, the win's always a factor. Um, they had to work pretty hard. The Hawks were up and about early. Uh, and in fact, they trailed uh, by about a goal and a half early in the second. They had then rattled on nine of the next 11 goals. And I thought they won it on the back of their midfield, which was absolutely dominant. Lockie Neal, great game from him again, 33 disposals and a goal. Dane Zorko, 25 disposals and two goals. Mitch Robinson, 28. Daniel Richoff, halfback, 26. Jared Lyons, 25. Hawthorne's midfield just simply doesn't run deep enough to uh, cover that amount of ball-winning potential. Yeah, I think that's right. The Lady Gaga, is that who sung Wrecking Ball? Uh, no, that was um, Miley Cyrus, I think, wasn't it? Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't Mitch know. Mitch Robinson's my Wrecking Ball. Well, yeah. he's, he's really, he sees a late career flourish in finals and maybe a premiership. 
that he never could have imagined in his time previously with Carlton or Brisbane. Let's be honest, he's played most, most of his football for a team near the bottom of the ladder. Isn't he relishing being part of a team that's at the other end of the ladder? He looks like a real finals footballer to me, dangerous and hitting the opponents hard. And Hardwick, who's no you know, shrinking violet, can testify to that. Hawthorne's midfield is exactly where it thinned out. Well, well surmised there. Because, you see, they were in the game. And, yes, they did themselves no favours by inaccurate kicking. But in the end, they got swarmed over. There was too many Brisbane midfielders who were just up and running. McCluggage can be included in the um, in the wave of Zorko and Lockie Neal. Christensen getting involved now in football more on a weekly basis. And unfortunately for somebody like Henderson, who played such a key role for most of the year, it's hard to do that every week of the season, 30-plus possessions and being effective. Well, a good, a good indicator of this is the fact that Hawthorne's midfielders actually were good. I mean, Warpole ended up with 34 disposals. I thought he was close to their best. McAvoy was good in the ruck, as he always is. O'Meara played a pretty good game, 26 for him. But they have to get those numbers. Midfielders are going yeah. to get... Every midfield's going to get 100 possessions. Who, who are their fourth and fifth midfielders? Are they getting it? Are they using it? Are they able to keep up with the opposition's fourth and fifth midfielders? You know, we should make a comment to Josh Walker. Brought in for Harris Andrews, mm. and he wouldn't have played otherwise. Yeah. But he played a very good game. Yeah, yeah. Mitch Lewis uh, had his radar off and uh, gave away a pretty silly and costly 50 for them too at an inopportune time. Um, yeah, look, they're thin. They're, they're just ultimately thin, thin. For, yeah, yeah. for talent. Uh, desperately, as we've said a number of times, the loss of Tom Mitchell pre-season just can't be overstated. Even Tim O'Brien before the game. Yeah. He kicked three goals the week before. That yeah. was in a team that is looking for some targets. That was a loss. Yeah, no, good call. A couple of other things too, just in terms of efficiency. Um, probably the pivotal spell of the game was early, or the first two-thirds of the third quarter, um, in which Hawthorne had nine inside 50s for 1-5. Brisbane had eight inside 50s for 5-1. There's your difference. And you know what? I, I think um, sometimes you can look too hard for symbols of how a side's going, but there really was one in this game. In the final 10 seconds, the game's won. It's all done and dusted. And uh, young for the Hawks, young Henrahan. Ollie. What's that? Ollie Henrahan. Ollie Henrahan, yes, uh, beating a, a path out of defence, and he got absolutely mowed down by your boy, Mitch Robinson. Uh, desperate tackle with nothing really on the line, and I thought, you're doing that in the last couple of seconds of a game, you've already got one, you're hungry. Yep. And and this is a side that, uh, you know, they're exciting to watch, uh, they, they, they can smell their chance, and uh, I don't know what a chance smells like, but they can smell it. And they are super hungry, Finey, and... Um, they are great to watch, and they are they are the real deal. I mean, Mitch, through his time at Brisbane, he's had to battle for a spot with the um, similarly bleached, slightly spelt differently Robertson, and he wants yes. to be he wants to be part of this team, and he's staked a wonderful claim in the last month and a half. Yep, no, no, great work by the Lions, and uh, the season's great story just continues apace. Uh, down to third now by virtue of West Coast yeah, isn't that having funny? an even bigger win. Isn't that funny that you have a great win and you're equal top on the ladder and you end up third? Yeah, well, you know. That could it, happen at the end of the season. It's tied at the top and uh, still got another four games to stake their claims to a home final at the very least. And certainly now you would think a double chance.
All right, that's enough from Launceston. Let's go back to Melbourne and to the MCG. Okay, off to the MCG and a big game, this one. You wouldn't have thought it would have been a few weeks ago, but a lot riding on it for one team in particular. And this was Carlton versus Adelaide. And another triumph for David Teague's Blues. Aren't they playing some wonderful footy? That is five wins now from seven games under his stewardship. And the other two, of course, lost by less than a goal. So it's been some revival. Um, And aren't the Blues fans rallying behind that as well? Um, Final scores, 13-9-87, the Blues. 27-point victors over a very, very disappointing Adelaide. Nine goals, six, 60. Three goals to Levi Casbolt. Singles the rest. End up with 11 goal kickers, the Blues. Good spread. Three goals to Taylor Walker for Adelaide. Two goals to Tyson Stengel playing his first game for the Crows. And that was about all she wrote. Singles the rest for them. Pretty even opening, four goals each, but the Blues really got on top in terms of general play um, and the scoreboard with three goals to one in the second term and just started to widen the gap thereafter. And Adelaide had one of these sort of faux comeback things finally. They kicked a couple of goals early in the last quarter, uh, one from a yeah, one from a 50-metre penalty, and the commentators were talking it up, but I just I never felt at any stage like they were developing any momentum or any, there was never sort of any feel that a comeback was imminent. And sure, imminent. Yeah, that's right. And sure enough, I thought he said liniment. Oh, that's what I thought I said, but then I didn't. Um, and sure enough, the Blues steadied and went on to a thoroughly deserved win. Um, what do I like about the Blues? Well, Sam Walsh, he's going to bolt this year's Rising Star, and I don't know why we're even talking about it anymore. Another thirty disposals for him. Uh, he's just a class act. Someone at Carlton was saying during the week he'd be probably coming second in their best and fairest behind only Paddy Cripps. Speaking of Paddy Cripps, this is one of the great individual games of the season. 39 possessions, 24 of them contested, 19 clearances, which equals the record, I think, uh, with Brent Maloney, uh, former Demon, Geelong and um, Melbourne and Brisbane uh, midfielder. So that's the most ever recorded Seven tackles and a goal for Paddy Cripps. Good value out of the veterans, Simpson and Murphy, both very conspicuous, 31 disposals each for them. I like Casbolt's game too, fine. Geez, he can kick some good goals for a guy that allegedly can't kick. And uh, they look, they just won all the categories that really mattered. Clearances up by 23. Um, Adelaide only 29. Uh, disp- uh, contested ball up by 22. Marks inside 50, 16-5. And that um, they're really developing a nice tall forward setup, aren't they? With the likes of um, Casbolt down there and Mackay uh, Cruiser when he's not in the ruck. Obviously, Kerno's the 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 P. He's not even there. He'll come back next year and round off what could be a great forward line. Adelaide should be ashamed of themselves. And I, I just want to say something, and I'll go further to this in hot and not, but there are a number of. Uh, commentators out there, and journalists, and maybe some of these less experienced journalists. And you are making an embarrassing fool of yourselves if you continue to try and create a story post-game. They did this with Port Adelaide, and now they're trying to do it with Adelaide, suggesting that there's a incompetency at, at selection and with the coach because they are playing, Eddie, on this occasion, Eddie Betts and Gibbs in the sandful, and then they go, well, Eddie Betts kicked four and Gibbs had 35. It's the sandful, and it's quite clear 
that that form ain't translating. More on that later. Mm. That wasn't the problem. Now, we did our favourite commentary teams. I think Gary Lyon was in special comments in Gary Lyon. Ah, uh, yep. He made a great observation. He doesn't like Walker or Jenkin, Jenkins for the right reason. You know why? Because these are two big men that demand to have the ball kicked to their chest from 30 metres away. They seem almost, I'm not going to say scared, but they, they seem definitely adverse to the idea of competing in the air. Who'd want to be a small forward to those pair of front runners or gliders? All the work in that forward line seems to be done by Tom Lynch. Industrious, knows how to hit a target. Gee, he hit a beautiful pass to Jenkins at one point in the game. But the two big guys don't play. You know, Tarzan Jane is the old expression. And they should be, they were caught well short. Riley O'Brien had his pants pulled down. Ed Phillips played a very good game. If he kicked more accurately between Andrew him and... Andrew Phillips. Andrew Phillips, sorry. Ed Phillips is a St Gilda player. Between them, the two Ruckman could have kicked five or six goals. Mm. Now, as, they, as it is, they kicked four. They could have kicked six or more. So Riley O'Brien was beaten. And for Carlton... I thought Silvani provided a lot. He's been a bit yeah, of a... Yeah, he's whi- had a real revival. He's been a bit of a whipping boy. He showed some class. Obviously, you named the great games of Cripps, Walsh. Down back, they seem to control things pretty well. Given that they seemed a bit undersized, I thought Wietering... I know Walker kicked three goals. He kicked them, I think, in the first half. And when the game needed to be stepped up, he just... Was he on the field? Wiedering read the ball in the air so much better than him. So Carlton continue to win games. Adelaide are in the eight, but they won't end up in the eight because they're not a team made of sterner stuff. No, I agree now. I think someone, probably the Bulldogs, might end up taking their place. Yep. Um, you know the greatest indictment on the Crows in this game? 16 players in that side played in the 2017 grand final. They're an absolute shadow of that side. And I really thought that, as the commentators were talking up the prospect of them coming back, why I didn't think they could do it. There was no movement. There was no overlap. They were still getting outnumbered at every contest. You just didn't see any spark in that side. And um, it's interesting. There seems to be a lot of pressure mounting on Don Pike, but uh, I'm not sure it's the coach who's let him down. I reckon some of the leading crows might be far more culpable. You know, a player that was highly rated I had a bit of a look at is Daniel Talia. Yeah. He's no good. He, he he can spoil sometimes. He gives them no no drive. perspective or drive or shape. Maybe it's because, I don't know. Whether, it's it's disappointing for him that guys like Keith and Duday came into the team and immediately became the best tall backman. Mm. He has really stagnated. They are in a world of pain, the Crows. All right, that's enough from the MCG. Let's head over to Perth for the Saturday Twilight game. All right, off to Perth and a big win for the West Coast Eagles. Uh, arguably their best performance of the season or close to it. 18 goals, 13, 121, 49 point winners over North Melbourne. 10 goals, 12, 72. The goals, one of the big individual halls of the season. Josh Kennedy, seven goals to the Coleman medalist. Two to Darling, two to Rioli, two to Waterman, singles the rest. For the Roos, three goals to Cameron Zerha, who continues to impress as a bullocking talent. Uh, two goals to Brown, two to Wood, singles the rest. For them, set up in the uh, first quarter, really, from the Eagles. Massive first quarter. They had six goals, five. 
Um, North really paying a price for the absence of Scotty Thompson. Uh, poor old Robbie Tarrant had to cope with Josh Kennedy, who was on fire. He had five goals up by half time. Uh, Sam Durden got the duties after Tarrant, so it gives you an idea how undermanned they were in terms of key position defenders. Um, in that first quarter, they really dominated everywhere as well as the scoreboard. Up nine for clearances, 16 contested possessions in front at quarter time. So there's a, a fair part of the tale and 10 more inside 50 entries. Uh, that is their 10th win from 12 games. And you wouldn't say they're flying under the radar, but it, no one talks about them. I would have thought 10 wins from 12 games is a pretty impressive um line of reasonably consistent form, but uh, people keep talking about other teams. For the Roos, uh, Pollock, 31 touches. He's had a really good season for the Roos. Ahern, 27. But those those uh, West Coast running players, uh, right to the fore. Elliot Yo, he's a great player, Elliot Yo. He uses it well, kicks it out of sight, gets plenty of the ball. 26 for him. Andrew Gaff, 33, out on the wing. And Dom Sheed, 31. Comprehensive win, Finey. What'd you make of it? North Melbourne do not like playing over in the West, whether it was at uh, the old fortress that was Subiaco or now at Optus, the fast transition game that is so important over there on the hard surface doesn't suit their side, which seems to just lack that midfield speed. They were hanging in by a, a, a yeah, a debatably hanging in by a thread in the first quarter and a half thereabouts, sort of playing a bit of rebound footy like a soccer team, trying to absorb punch after punch, coming back the other way with the odd handy goal. But the floodgates were always going to open when you've got not just Kennedy, but Darling playing. I mean, Kennedy, obviously great. Darling further up the ground was a great target as well. I'll leave hot or not for the hottest of hots with Willie Rioli, but you can see why it's hard to play West Coast when they're up and about on their home surface. All all roads lead to fun for the crowd. You know, it's not just a matter of the scoreboard. It's the party atmosphere. It's almost a celebration of good football. And North Melbourne, they just looked like the victims, didn't they? The minute they stepped on the ground, they were the... They were the Christians and they were playing the Lions and the Lions tore them to shreds. This is a very good example for me of why West Coast is such a a red-hot flag chance again. Um, Okay, Kennedy isn't going to kick seven every every game uh, and he's been in pretty ordinary form. But, you know, you've got key forwards that capable and you get delivery that frequently. Um, Opposition defences are in trouble and there's not that many great uh, key defenders around, you know, they all they're they're all struggling or injured. I think it's a big issue for a lot of their prospective finals opponents. It's funny, you know, people say that ask whether are we going to get a one hundred goal in a season goal kicker again. Yeah, and the reason I think we will is the same reason why Shane Warne was such a devastating bowler when he burst onto the scene for Australia because there had been so such a dearth of leg spin quality leg spin around the world, that when a great leg spinner came, batsmen were ill-equipped to play against such a bowler because in their local clubs growing up through to state and first class level, they just weren't exp- weren't exposed to it. Likewise, the fullbacks currently in the AFL do not have that week-in, week-out exposure to a great, to great full forward. So we don't have, you know... 
going back to Silvani, but before him, Dench and Southby and Merrigan and Kelvin Moore, you name them, every team had to have a good back, full back, and they honed their craft on the best. So if we do get a full forward of exceptional ability, he's going to pick off the current range of full backs because they're just not used to playing against top opponents. And they've also got absolute quality at their feet too in Rioli and Ryan. You've got Cripps coming back at yep. some stage, and he's important too. You've also got Petrocelli. Who's very fast. He's so quick. Um, uh, kicked a goal for him as well. Um, Tom Hickey going okay in the ruck, I reckon. And also I'm disappointed he wasn't nominated for the Big Hair Award because he's gone through various forms of hair in his football career from almost having the old clippered ones. And now he's looking a bit like Hair Bear Bunch. All right, quick one to you. In order of uh, flag likelihood, where have you got West Coast? Third. Behind? Richmond and Geelong. I know you, some people could argue they matched Geelong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Geelong are still a game clear. It's, it's going to be about grid position, isn't it? And I think Richmond are going to steam into second. All right, here's something controversial. I've got them first. That is so controversial. Well, you heard it here first with a month to go of the season, so plenty of time for people to forget, of course, if it doesn't come to fruition. All right, that's enough for that game. Let's talk about Saturday night. Okay, Marvel Stadium Saturday evening. The Saints taking on the Demons and, of course, St Kilda with the new coach factor working for them, Brett Ratton, one from one. Could he make it too? Well, as it transpired, he could. 21, sorry, 19-point victory to St Kilda. 15-14-104, defeating Melbourne 13-7, 85. Got to be honest, Finey, pretty sloppy, error-riddled affair. Um, and interesting too because Melbourne got off to a flyer with the first three goals all through the agency of Max Gorn in the ruck who gave Rowan Marshall a, a thorough going over early on before I thought Marshall fought back. But from that moment, St Kilda really controlled the game and you just kept waiting for them to get on top on the scoreboard. But it didn't really happen until quite late in the piece. And statistically, they're in front in basically every fundamental measure. And yet uh, this game was in the balance until very late in the piece. Very frustrating as a St Kilda supporter because it looked to all extents and purposes like St Kilda were with the numbers, inside 50s and all your measurables. Well, 60-39 were the inside 50s. And, and Melbourne are known to get a lot of inside 50s. It's how they use it that is the problem and retain it. But getting it in there has not been a problem for them. So St Kilda a few times got two goals ahead and you were just waiting for the third goal to almost open the floodgates. Well, that didn't happen until the 29th minute, minute of the last quarter. They found interesting ways to... Um, sort of squander their lead, including a couple of freaky goals, one that was bouncing around forever in the Melbourne forward line, never looked like being picked up by a Melbourne player, and finally uh, somebody latched on it, I think one of the Wagners, and snapped an odd goal, and then of course there was the Carlisle gift of a free kick, which was... Oh, that was the worst decision I've seen this year, that double goal. that I mean, it was just, it was just nothing. It was nothing, but he's got a target on his back, and umpires, like players, know that you can get under his skin. And I guess when an umpire is standing a foot away from you and telling both players, leave it, leave it, just leave it. Yeah. And Ratton was 
rightfully upset and actually did something you rarely see in football nowadays and called him to the bench to have a word to him. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Look, I want to say something about St Kilda. I think that they, they, they've got some list decisions to make at the end of the year, but they've got a very deep list. Very quickly, this will take 60 seconds. This is a team that did not play on Saturday night, right? None of these players played in the win. Okay. From the back line, McKenzie, Joyce, Roberton, half-back line, Webster, Battle and Geary, centre line, and Brandon White, Armitage and Ed Phillips, Dean Kent, young Max King, John O'Marsh, Parker, McCartan and Robbie Young in the ruck, Longer, Hannabury and Jack Stephen, and the interchange, Logan Austin, Lewis Pierce, Bailey Rice and Sam Rowe. That, that is pretty impressive. Now, that is a 22 that did not play. Yeah. So, there is... And we know that Robertson and McCartan may never play again. But when you think, cast your mind back to the very first practice match this season, mm. they were the two best St Kilda players. So... There's something to work with there. All right. I want a, a couple of names who I think, given what you've just said, two guys who I reckon their long-term future must be in question. We've talked about this one before, Jack Nunes. Yeah, because of the emergence of Hunter Clark, didn't he set up a great goal when he burst through the middle? Yeah, he's, he's been terrific the last, what, six weeks. The other one who I've just got tired of waiting for him to do something, Blake, Blake Akers. Well, they're the two. They are the two that... Have tread trod tread water trod trod water, mm. and when you realise that there are players not in that team that are going to make that side, yeah, they are absolutely. Look, Blake Akers is a West Australian. There might be, I know that Ed Langdon is looking to come back to Victoria. Mm. Deals may be made. Jack Nunes is exactly the sort of player a Gold Coast needs. He's a solid player. He's got a good body. He's, you know, he's experienced. Maybe they would look at somebody like Jack Younes as part of cashing in on the fact that Ben King will sooner rather than later come back to Victoria. I'll tell you one thing they need to develop, pardon me, and I think one thing which was a key to them not really converting this dominance into scoreboard action. Um, And interesting, actually, I just had a look. The final inside 50 tackles for the game were 15-10, Melbourne's way. But at one stage, it was something like 7-8, nothing and I, I was in the St Kilda rooms afterwards um, very happy rats uh, I think he's he's such a nice bloke he's yeah. a lovely bloke another lovely bloke one of the certified best men in football Brendan Wade yep I love Wade he's a ripper um, but I did have a quick chat to him and I said was that you know, was the not getting on the score, was that about that lack of forward pressure? And he said absolutely mm-hmm. so I think the Saints really lack a sort of terrier like you know, lock the ball inside 50, don't yep. they? Is yep. there one there they can create, do you think? Well, look, Parker's had a go at it this year. He's, he's, not, he's rough not, around the edges. Yeah, and he's big. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about a, a well, tipper type, you well, know? Look, Nick Hind yeah. is a promising player because he's got leg speed. To me, pressure is created by a closing down on players. You know, Loney locks on to a lot of players, but... Good footballers now can be tackled and still move the ball. Mm. It's about that closing speed. And Hind has shown quite a bit in his short league career. So Yeah, I agree with that. So he could be that type of footballer. One thing I would like to mention is, and, and I'm really pleased that you sort of pointed out Hunter Clark, the other players St Kilda got with Hunter Clark in that draft was Caulfield. Nick Caulfield. Yeah. And a lot of St Kilda supporters were disappointed at his lack of progress. But I'm starting to see something there as well. Yeah. 
He, well, he's getting games, isn't he? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, a, that's he, a key. He got goals kicked on him, don't get me wrong. Petrarca played very well for Melbourne. And yeah, very quick <clears> word on Melbourne. We haven't mentioned him. Yeah. Oh, I've got great concerns for Viney. He's either injured or seemingly plays injured, but he's of no great use to that team. Mm. When they had to try and win the game in that last quarter, it was the usual suspects, wasn't it? Petrarca bust a blood vessel. He's been good this year and unfairly maligned at times. Oliver was a good player. Gorn, obviously, central to the discussion. But Viney and Nathan Jones, Nathan, fair enough, he's coming to the end of a, a long and great career. Viney, do we cut him slack constantly for either being injured or playing injured? I, I, I'm of the belief you take the field, no excuses. I, I think they've, they've had a weird season. I was talking to a few of their officials afterwards too. I mean, for a solid second last on the ladder, Go down the list of results this year. They've really been blown away. They just so they just sort of pull up short. They're scoring five goals a year, uh, a game less than last year. That is a massive amount. I reckon they've really missed guys like uh, Melksham um, and Hannon. You know some of those mid-sized forwards who are doing the job for them. I think Jesse Hogan's been a far bigger loss for them than they banked upon, even though he hasn't really played at three. Rowan, in football, you only you recruiting is key to team's futures, especially when you go after big-name players. And I've got to say, they went after or, or, or secured two bewildering signings from other clubs. Look, they lose Hogan. McDonald's, uh, Tom McDonald's a backman turned forward. They're screaming for a key forward, are they not? Mm. Yet they get Sam, Steve May. They had Lever. They've got fro- they've got key backmen. Mm. And why would you add Brand- Braden Priest to your list? They are two head scratchers. No, I agree. I they're, agree. They're just not purpose purposefully thought. Well, they're counting on a far bigger year from McDonald, and I think they were counting on Sam Wiedemann to develop far more than he has. Anyway, they are. Um, what's the word? Frustrating. Yeah. Tim Membry. Do you know why he's a unique footballer? I've never seen anything like it before. Why? He's the two-footed jumper. No one goes for marks like he does. That's funny you mention that because, you know, I interviewed him last night and I'm as tall as he is. I thought he was taller than Oh, no, than no, that. no. He's only six foot two. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe because he's from one of the northern states and wasn't brought up playing footy, no footballer I've ever seen takes off with both feet off on the ground. Yeah. He jumps with two feet. He jumps from a two-footed position. It's very odd. All right, we've got to move on. That is the Saints triumphant over the Demons. Another big Saturday night game over in Adelaide. All right, big one at Adelaide Oval between Port Adelaide coming off two straight defeats and the Giants fresh off a terrific win over the Pies last week. Well, talk about an arm wrestle. This was a an uber arm wrestle won by the Giants by a solitary point in the end. 8856, brother, as Harry Bites would have said on 3AW. Defeating Port Adelaide by a point, seven goals, 13.55. And really, um, probably set up by the opening term in which the Giants kicked 2 5 to 3 behinds. And then it was just neck and neck for the rest of the game. The Giants did get uh, 19 points up about midway through the third term. Robbie Gray kept the power in it, a goal either side of three-quarter time. His second one early in the final term brought the margin back to just four points. They'd only kick another goal for the rest of the evening and uh, ditto the Giants. So a real scrap, this one. And uh, if that's your go, 
Well, oh, good luck to you, but uh, yeah, not the sort of footy I'm too interested in seeing. But, you know, this stage of year, wins are wins, and the Giants will happily take that. Three goals to Jeremy Cameron, takes him up to 57 for the season, leading the Coleman medal. Three goals to Jeremy Finlayson, who has been a pretty good partner in crime. And ultimately, the Giants midfielders, probably the pivotal mids for them, Tim Taranto, your boy, I know you like him, 31 disposals, and 30 to Jacob Hopper, 30 to Toby Green, who was, uh, yes, was he acting captain last night? Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he would have been. Yeah, because Davis still out. He's in, he's in rare form. Yes, uh, he's he's good. Uh, Travis spoke forty disposals to the power and seven clearances, um, but lacking some important parts of that machinery. Brad Ebert, um, first and foremost, there uh, they ended up Port winning the clearances. They won the contested ball. And the inside 50s, 53 to 44. So the Giants have been able to win despite only having 44 entries. I guess seven goals, 13, the tail of a tape for the power. And that could be a really, really costly loss for them. They play Essendon in Melbourne next week. And uh, in a long queue of aspirants for that eighth spot on the ladder now, which uh, appears like it might be the only spot left up for grabs. Um what do you make of this game, Finey, and do you give Port any chance of grabbing a final spot? Look, when you lose by a point, it's obviously a game that can go either way, but for Port Adelaide, now three losses in a row, that sequence of win-loss, win-loss had to be broken with wins, not losses, and they are, I guess they're in a group of teams that could possibly make the eight. Next week they play, <clears throat> pardon me, Essendon in Melbourne. I don't fancy their chances there, and I think the run might end thereabouts. And then they've got some big questions to answer. Charlie Dixon got uh, questioned quite rightly by Mike Sheehan on SEN during the week. He spoke of statistics, only one and a half goals a game throughout his career. So waiting for Charlie Dixon to be right might be waiting like waiting for a... Um, a train that no longer runs on the old St Kilda line. Find out this line hasn't run for five years. Well, it's light rail, doesn't it? It got turned to light rail. Spot on. Used to be a rail line. So where do they head in terms of forward structure in the future? I I, I fear, not fear for them, but I don't see much there to inspire change. They're not a young team. They're not a team that has... Oh, well, that was, I shouldn't say that. They've got some young talent. The Rosie, Dersma and Butters arrival has been great. No question. But beyond that, in terms of key position players, it's not looking good. No, and you look back now on that uh, that trade hall um, of Rockcliffe, Motlop and Watts, and they really haven't been a factor at all, have they? So a, a bit of a miscalculation there. I wonder if it's going to end up hurting them as much as... Brisbane's infamous miscalculation on that front did at the, the fav- end of... The Favola call. Correct. Well, not him, but you know, not just him, but you know Clark, Buchanan, uh, who also they get, Reigns. Um, it has the potential to hurt them long time. Yeah, I, I can't see them making it at all. They're a game out now. They're 10th on the ladder, but the Dogs uh, a game ahead of them and equal on points with the Crows. So uh, I think Port might have done their dash. Um, as for GWS, well, they're up to fifth spot. A game behind Richmond in fourth with a vastly superior percentage, though, so ready to pounce on a double chance if Richmond happens to stumble at any stage. 
Okay, that's enough for Saturday evening. Let's talk about Sunday. Marvel Stadium, Sunday afternoon, and the Western Bulldogs taking on Fremantle and a comprehensive win to the Bulldogs, bowling right back into finals calculations with a great victory. 16, 17, 113, pantsing the Dockers, 9 goals, 12, 66, all on the back of a uh, slashing opening term of 8 goals, 2, and they were on fire. The Dockers did kick 4 in that opening term. Um, but right up against it from very early in the piece, never really looked like threatening. Second quarter, Bulldogs didn't put it on the scoreboard, but they were just as dominant in terms of general play, and really after halftime, just a a holding mission, four goals each in the second half, so pretty nondescript hour or so of footy. Four goals to Bailey Dale, making it nine in two games for the young forward. uh, He might have found himself a... A different sort of role. Three goals to Sam Lloyd, two to Smith, and Bontempelli singles the rest. And for the Dockers, three goals to Andrew Brayshaw, two to Tucker, singles the rest. Uh, pretty good bounce back, finally, after the Doggies lowered their colours to your boys last week. Yeah, we'll talk about Fremantle in a moment, but the Bulldogs, well, first of all, we should mention the headline out of the game is not a pleasant one, no, but maybe not an unexpected one, and certainly from the reaction of the player, one that he can come to terms with pretty quickly. We speak, of course, of Dale Morris, who had his troublesome knee collapse underneath him in a twisting, turning, but not impact incident in the third quarter. I think it was the third quarter, but he went off the field and... We'd already come off once, too. That's right. It seemed pretty clear that... His AFL career ended this afternoon or Sunday afternoon at Marvel Stadium, but he was straight into role of coaching. He was talking to young players as they came off the bench. And interestingly, he decided for his last appearance on the ground, joining the team at three-quarter time, he would do so unencumbered. Took off all the strapping around his knee and just walked around as you can with an ACL because it doesn't necessarily hurt some time after you do it. Instantly it does hurt. Those last images of him will be of a, a man not beset by knee problems, but we will remember him as a true defender, a courageous, capable defender at his very best. Who often played on... Talls um, and spools. Yeah, and, and well, often, you know... Outsized. Con- conceded, yeah, correct. Yeah, no, he was given... He, you know, he would be given the toughest task. I remember they used to play him on Nick Rewalt. When yep. Rewalt was at his gambling best, and he's epitomises if there is doggy spirit and anything they want to embody out at that club, he is the embodiment of it. Not the sort of player you'd imagine would go on and be an assistant coach elsewhere. I reckon he'll quickly work behind the scenes at the club he's so synonymous with. But back to the game, Riley West kicked a great goal at the other end of his career. He looked actually very capable. Bailey Dale. Oh, didn't they get around him? The get around him factor for his big. goal was yeah. enormous. Although his old man, they cut to his old man he in looked, the stands. He looked, he looked. He was absolutely impassive. Yeah, he looked. Um, what what would be the word? Detached from the whole. Well, it was sort of scene. like. It was almost like he said, "I know the Ambi- cameras are ambivalent." Going. Well, no, I reckon he's gone. The camera. I know the cameras are going to switch to me now, so I'm just going to sort of take it in my stride. But you're allowed to show a bit of emotion about your boy, Scotty. Come on. Wasn't the strangest cutaway of the weekend? 
Did you see the shots of Plugger in the stand in yeah. Sydney Geelonga? Clint Eastwood, you mate. <laughs> Remind me of that scene in The Simpsons when Homer lost his hair after being beloved by Monty Burns and it all fell out. And do you remember what Monty said when he saw Homer on stage without his hair? No. Who is that old geezer? <laughs> yeah. I sort of felt the same. Anyhow, back to this game. And uh, Bulldogs looked like they were going to win by 100 points halfway through the third quarter. They were strolling into goal and kicking behinds. And then, you know, you do that in a team like any team is going to rebound and kick some goals. So there was a bit of respectability come back the other way for the Dockers. But in reality, they are a, a shot unit. And in reality, all the talk and all the um, cat and mouse that Ross Lyon does with the media over in the West seems to be talk not walk, if you know what I mean, well, they were, come they, game day. They were so lethargic in that first quarter. Yeah, that's they how you felt. It was just, oh, uh, do you really want to be here, guys? Yeah. No, they weren't They weren't picking up their opponents. The Bulldogs were just strolling out of the centre and, and thus creating very easy opportunities for their forwards. So, uh, yeah. Mean, it was poor. As for Nat Fife, I'm not, there's no confirmation he didn't lose an arm and that that's some cybernetic replacement there's now barely any skin on the arm it's all held together by by various bandages and and strappings well, it's and, good. and I like harnesses how, i like how he's got a black uh, bandage for home games and a white bandage for away games <laughs> it's to the theme yeah i i tell you what they don't seem and i know this is an expression and it's very very much the gauge and the term used in in soccer where People question whether the coach or the manager, as they call it, has lost the dressing room or lost the shed. Mm. If you if you ask me, is there a team out there not completely um, unified behind the cause and whether or not the coach's message is getting through, I'm starting to question whether Frio are, are in it for the long haul or, or the players are with Ross Lyon. Well, it's looking a bit that way, isn't it? I mean, they sort of seem to pick and choose... When they uh, when they deliver, I mean, really hard fought game last week, but the Swans are nothing special, and you know it was a terrible standard game. And then, I mean, this is a the thing; they're still that's the thing. They came to this game with as much chance of making the eight as the doggies. Well, and mathematically, they're you know they're still on a row with those other sides on thirty two points. Yeah, mathematically they are, but philosophically and practically they are clearly not going to make the eight and clearly have some questions heading into the future because if this is a rebuild, well, I can't see any young players that are a produce of the last two years of rebuilding anyhow. So I don't think they've made any progress whatsoever. Mm. I'll tell you what, it's set up for uh, just having a look at the ladder now. So the Bulldogs are game behind Adelaide and a game clear of those other pursuers. You know who plays each other in round 23, don't you? Bulldogs and Adelaide. Adelaide. Adelaide won't be in it by then. On Mars. Well, that's a good place to play them if they are. You reckon Adelaide will be gone by then? I think so. Well, Adelaide have got St Kilda, West Coast in Perth and Collingwood before they take on the Bulldogs. So you might well be right on that one, I think. Good wind of the doggies and uh, they're certainly getting something out of this year even if they don't make the finals. I think they're probably ending it in a better place than they've ended the previous two Seasons, would you agree with that? Yeah, they do. They've got a key forward in Norton who's still a teenager. What a prospect he has become. Tim English is a fine young ruckman. Bailey Smith has had a great rookie year. Young Riley West. A lot of their most promising 
performances this year, even best performers, are very young. So mm. Dunkley has arrived. Bontempelli remains the P. No, you can build a team around that, my friend. All right, enough on that game. Let's head to Sydney. And the SCG, Sydney taking on Geelong. The Cats, not travelling that well of late, have lost three, had lost three of their last five games and not overly impressive for a half in this game either, but really turned it around with a big second half in which they kicked 10 goals to the Swans' six final scores. Geelong 16-11, 127-point victors over the Swans, 12-8-80. Five goals to big Tom Hawkins. He had a great game. Two goals to Clark, two to Dangerfield, and two to Duncan. Singles the rest. For the Swans, Jordan Dawson, three. He is a very, very promising prospect. Three yeah, goals. one of them wasn't a goal. Three goals Did to... Did you I- see it? Hang on. Three goals to Isaac Heaney, two to Ronke. All right, now, go. Hit the post. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did see that one. Yeah, well, not the worst decision, and we'll come to the worst decision in terms of scores. Well, this was as, this was as bad, but it just wasn't as important. They got some problems there down at uh, Yegg Central. So, do we think that the Cats successfully turned their sort of mini slump around in the second half today? You know what? There's many a story of boxers um, from New York City with their managers saying. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to get in and out of Chi-Town. That's Chicago. We're going to go to Chi-Town. We're going to win the purse. We're going to get in and out with our lives intact, get back home and count the winnings. And that's really what they had to do. They had to get in and out of Sydney, win the game, ugly, pretty. They had to get four points on the board and get their feet back in the, you know, back in the premiership race after having really stumbled in recent weeks. And they were trailing in the first half. They got it back to level at half time, and then put the contest beyond doubt through their strength in midfield with Tim Kelly, Dangerfield, through their strength up forward with uh, targets like Radigalia and Hawkins, and through the fact that you get four goals up against Sydney, it's like ten goals up against anybody else because they don't have much of a scoring response unit down the other end of the ground. They did what they had to do. I don't think all the questions have been answered personally. Uh, but they leave with the four points. But, uh, you know, the the most significant thing, I think, is when you read their best and you're looking at uh, Hawkins, Duncan, Dangerfield, Kelly and Jay Selwood among their best six players. Um, and that's been the issue, hasn't it? Their midfield has really been battling of late. Kelly had a bit of a downturn after being incredibly consistent. Well, he certainly hit back with a vengeance. Uh, Danger bobbed up when he needed to. A um, couple of goals to Danger as well, which helps. I don't think they've been getting many goals out of that midfield either. I think Sam Menegola's uh, just about ready to come back into that team too, so uh, he will make an obvious difference. Uh, do we, you know, do we think that this has been a, a temporary glitch and they're about to resort, re- resume normal transmission? Not yet. No, they certainly got no answer to their rucking problems with Zach Smith. He didn't have much of an influence on the game. He had hand 12 possessions with three kicks. He just didn't... He won his hit-outs because he was going up against uh, a rookie. But he, he didn't really give us a viable alternative to the out-of-form Reese Stanley. And the sort of form slump that Luke Dalhouse is in wasn't turned around. He only had five kicks. There's still a few questions to be answered. 
Yeah, I saw a few guys to come back. They managed um, Gary Rowan this week. They managed someone else too. I'm just trying to remember who it was. It's not coming to me. Anyway, they've got Freo in Perth next week. Um, and and Grant Myers has dropped off a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, there's a theory that they've put in a particularly hard month or so on the track and they're perhaps tapering a bit. Um, you know you who know, showed a little bit, I should mention, is Scott Selwood. Yeah, I thought that too, actually. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he can play a role for him. I guess, I wonder if Chris Scott sort of looked at someone like Dylan Clark at Essendon and saying, you know, now the, you know, the role of a shutdown player might have a bit of a renaissance leading up to and, and during the finals in terms of shutting down opposition key on ballers. Especially somebody like Selwood who can play that role and still get his hands on the ball. Mm. Yeah, no, I think he's got a role to play. Do you? Yeah, I'd, I'd have been my best 22, actually. Yeah, yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I wonder if I can get both he and Menegola in there because then you start to worry about the pace element. But uh, anyway... Heck, but- of a, heck of a disease, Menegola. They, uh, you, know, they, you know, it's the men, meningitis and Ebola. What's the Ebola? Ebola, you know the oh, Ebola virus. Yeah, yeah. It's a combination of both. Yeah, if you get meningitis and Ebola, it's called meningitis. That sounds pretty fatal. <laughs> you don't want it. All right, that's enough from the SCG. Let's head up to Metricon Stadium and uh, what was supposed to be a fairly uneventful end to round nineteen. Okay, final game of the round, and uh, if you look at the... Well, actually, even if you look at the scores, you'll think, wow, this wasn't what was supposed to happen. Essendon was supposed to have a pretty comfortable win against the side that lost its last 13 games in a row and was down in the dumps. Well, this turned out to be anything but. In fact, Gold Coast looked like they were sensationally going to break that losing streak and win... Close to the biggest upset of the season when they hit the front with uh, a little over a minute left in this game. And and that's the way this game went. The Suns got off to a really good start. Four goals to two at quarter time. Actually got 27 points up um, with about midway through the third quarter. And at that stage you thought, wow, this might actually happen. You always got that thing in the back of your mind, though. Can they hang on? And uh, eventually, the Bombers wore them down with a six-goal final quarter. Uh, 16-10, 106-10-point victors over the Suns, 15-6-96. Even that doesn't really tell you the tale, does it? Um, Of course, Burgess putting the Suns in front with just over a minute left on the clock, whereupon it went down the other end. And that man, Hooker, boy, he's Pretty good in the clutch situation. He's kicked a few very important goals for the Bombers drifting forward. He put them back in front. I think there was 36 seconds left on the clock at the last bounce. And Jake Stringer got one almost on the bell with a big centre clearance and big booming kick for goal. His fourth goal of what was a fantastic game from him. Close to the best he's played for the Dons, I thought. Sean McKernan, outstanding, I thought, as a key forward and uh, part-time ruckman. He also kicked four. Three to Mitch Brown, that workhorse who uh, Bomber fans are coming to love. So 11 goals between the three of them. Uh, For the Suns, four goals for Ben King. Pretty impressive performance from him. Three to Sam Day. Good to see him sort of getting back into a bit of goal-kicking form. And two goals each to two-metre Peter Wright. And Braden Fiorini. What'd you make of it all, Finey? Well, you said that nobody could have imagined Gold Coast putting up that sort of show. That is not true. I selected them and I selected You did, you did actually. And I picked them on purpose. I really felt that they could win against a an Essendon team that has been hammered by injury in key positions and Oh, and weddings. 
Yeah, I don't know whether that was that was odd. Let me tell you, Conor McKenna getting a uh, leave pass to go. Well, back it's to sort of had they lost. Can you imagine the sort of crap? the outcry? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, my in hot knot, there would have been greater outcry closer to home had they lost. Re the score review system, but we'll talk about that shortly. Let's face it; it's not the first time that. On a Sunday night, a hooker has come to the rescue of what would have been a terrible weekend. Boom, boom. Well, it's not a boom, boom. It was a real, it was a, it was a dial out, wasn't it? Because he was still playing in the back line when he independently went forward. Mm. It's not as though you can make many changes now in league football. The coaches almost are impotent and it takes senior players to make match winning or match altering decisions. And having the courage to follow them through. And for that, Cale Hooker needs to be commended more than even the kick and the goal. To have the wherewithal, it was almost like sending the goalkeeper down in the penalty area for the desperate last attempt of a corner four minutes into time added on. It was a great play by Cale Hooker. Well done him. As for Gold Coast, much better effort. There's... Well, there were signs of it last week. In complete well, contrast there. to Freo. There were, no, hang on. There were That's signs, what I'm saying. Yeah, in contrast was, to Freo. If you yeah. watched them last week, yeah. you could honestly say that there is a real willingness there to get behind what they've got at Gold Coast, which isn't much, let's be honest. Mm. But it's not as though it looks like players are looking to jump ship. During the week, they had the boost of Sam Day re-signing a multiple-year deal. And these sort of things are immeasurable when talking about the overall spirit of a team, and they came out ready for the battle, and Essendon had to dig very deep. I, Dylan Seale was fantastic. You know, that play that actually resulted in Hooker's goal, well, people will point to Tipping Woody, but the extractor again was Seale, who was out on his feet, but I thought he was great. I've got to give credit again to a player you like a lot, Dylan Clark. Yes. Who runs with, but also is creative. Tipper was fantastic. All in all... I'll tell you, well, one guy I want to um, pump up a bit, Mason Redman. I thought early on when they weren't hadn't turned up, he had turned up. Unfortunately, your other like probably... Yes, he's struggling. Probably struggles to hold his place, Kyle Langford. But overall, and Zach Clark played an important role because Jared Witts can be commanding. So it was important that Clark was back in the team. But for me, the guy who won the game was Big McKernan. Now, his ability to take one mark grabs, one grab mark, him and Stringer, really, are a dynamic pair of rejects. Uh, Adelaide did not want McKernan, and he is exactly what they're crying out for. You wish your captain played like him. He goes for contested marks. He clunks contested marks. He goes where it's hot, not where it's not. He's just had trouble with consistency, but I think I think he's actually getting but the there willingness. Now. The willingness to compete has always been yeah. there. The body has not always been accommodating. And as for Stringer, well, everybody knew he was a champion of the Bulldogs. He was key to their premiership win. Mm. Um, I like his. I think his his attitudes a whole lot better now. Look, he had personal issues that year. There's no doubt that he was distracted. I'm surprised that somebody like Luke Beveridge, who is such a people person and gets in the mind of somebody, wasn't up for the battle to win back the great Stringer and Essendon are the beneficiaries of a match-winning footballer. So no Stringer, no win. 
not just this week, but maybe three of these last five games. Mm. That's how important he is when it comes to winning games of football. And you'd think that is the win that just about seals Essendon's finals berth. Well, they're not looking behind. They're looking very interestingly, interestedly at the top four. Yeah, well, GWS, Collingwood, Essendon now all on 11 wins, uh, a game behind Richmond who are in fourth spot, and of course Essendon playing Collingwood in round 23. God, round 23 is panning out beautifully for the AFL from a scheduling point of view. They're going to have to find... Who's going to drop out of the four? The problem is that Brisbane keep winning. Yeah, well, I, I think all those four sides will probably keep winning. I, I reckon it's probably going to stay... How it is? Yeah, that might. Oh, be except the... you think Adelaide's out. What Essendon can guarantee is a fifth place finish, playing at the MCG, mm. and you know, winning a final, taking it from there. Very much, very important that they get that fifth or sixth spot. Do you know how much a carton of milk was the last time Essendon won a final? Um, Thrupens. No, they've. I tell you, it'd be nice for them to finish fifth. And Adelaide eighth, and they can return some of the some of the pain <laughs> yes. that's gone the other way in that final. Yeah, no, it hadn't occurred to me, but uh, seeing you mention it, all right, that is round nineteen so, so, wrapped up. So yes. you've completely forgotten an, an AFL final starting with Love at Murray in the ruck. Well, I've tried to. <laughs> it's not a it's not a very fond memory. That is round nineteen done and dusted. Uh, let's talk about some of the highlights and lowlights of the weekend in footy. On footyology, hot or not. Hot or not, Finey, we're going to whip through these. I'm going to go first. I'm starting with a hot, and we alluded to it before. His name is Willie Rioli, and I thought he played a pretty good game for the Eagles. 19 disposals, 6 marks, 2 goals. But in particular, that first goal, he got around uh, Dumont. He got around, who was the second player? It might have been Durden. But in a phone box... Managed to execute two of the silkiest borks slash dummies, feints, whatever you like to call them, and then uh, very calmly steered onto his right foot and put it through the big sticks. It was very close to the goal of the year for mine, and uh, it w- that wasn't just a great piece of football, Finey. That was a piece of art. That is the one you send to the Americans. That was not... A freaky goal, an accidental goal. That was execution perfect. And I'm glad you said steered onto his boot because the two dummies were superb. But he then brilliantly almost placed the ball on his boot. Now he was snapping from hip high. It just was the the ideal took me back to how Phil Cracker used to kick a goal and how they and Jimmy, how they put the ball on their boot. But this was executed in such a I'm not saying textbook perfect way because I don't think most players can do that, but it was executed in faultless style. Whatever he was planning in his mind, he did. And that and was beautiful. I'll tell you, if he, I mean, we've said this about several Riolis, but if he can just build that tank a little bit, he, I mean, he, he's more than tapped his potential. But the the sky's the limit with this guy. He could be one of the absolute superstars of the competition. And I don't get it. They're not going at number two in the draft. Yeah. Every club gets a look at a Rioli. Yeah. I, I would take I would take his grandmother just to have a Rioli on the list yeah. because they've all been in premiership teams. Yeah. They've never missed. Well, it's been a fair contribution. The Rioli name is made to football. All right, you're up. 
Okay, I'm going to go with a hot, and it's Bailey Dale or Daily Bale if you're in trouble with the courts. What about Dale Bailey? There's so many Baileys going around. I reckon there's two Bailey Williams now. There's And Dales. Yeah, it's very confusing, and a lot of them are at the Bulldogs. But this one's starting to forge a bit of a career and name of his, of his own. Five against the Saints, four this week against the Dockers. A real instinct for goal, but he's got a nice big body. He's mm. a lovely kick, and that's what forward lines scream out for. The, the, the bigger-bodied player who isn't exploitable because he's too slow, but is very hard to match up because if you've got two key forwards, you're unlikely to play a third big backman. And he can really exploit the first of the mid-sized backmen for size. He's pretty big. Mm. I like him. I think he's got... I think he's... You know what he reminds me of? He's exactly the sort of player that gets under the radar in a final, even a grand final, and kicks out three or four goals that... Remember, you know, who would have thought Bailey Dale would yeah. be the hero? But, the Toby Thurstons. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not Shane Ellen. That was ridiculous. But the sort of player that... Like a Mitch Morton that you don't yeah. you don't budget for, but I tell you what, you'd love to have in a big game. Yeah, yeah, no, good call, good call, and agree entirely. Okay, I'm going with the knot, and it's Adelaide because I know I've said this virtually every week this season. They are not going to get back to where they were in 2017. That is patently obvious. In fact, not only are they not going to get back to where they were. I think they now have real issues in terms of their list. It's getting old. Uh, there are guys who clearly have played the best footy we're going to see from them. Um, they're not getting the same rate of improvement out of the younger guys that are coming into the side, and there's not too many of them. Um, and some guys just seem stuck in troughs from which they are incapable of emerging. Uh, the leader, the captain or co-captain, uh, Tex, Blows hot and cold. Josh Jenkins, uh, what's the greater extremes of hot or cold? Freezing or scorching, but uh, mainly freezing. Um, They've got no run. They've got, and for large periods of that game against Carlton, it looked like they didn't have the requisite desire either, which is pretty damn amazing when you think they had a premiership. well, a premiership which was theirs for the taking and managed to blow. And uh, then last year, a complete disaster. And then this year, not a lot better in the end. So I, I think, finally, you're right. I think they probably will lose that spot in the eight. And uh, I think a lot of people at that club are going to have to have a really long, hard think about uh, not just the coach, but the list and uh, whether they strip it back and, and start preparing another tilt because in its current form they are a long 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 way short of the best few teams in the competition and it's very hard in adelaide in south australia to be an outsider a non-south australian coach when things go bad you know in 2017 in the lead up to the grand final where they were clearly the team to beat and they were the best team in the competition the headlines in the addy rang out our Don steers us to flag glory. They used to refer to Don Pike as our Don. Do you know what they call him now? What? Yankee wanker takes us down <laughs> down where we... Or former eagle tagger. Yeah, yeah. yeah American-born eagle. Like, just <laughs> hate him, hate him, hate him. All right, you're up. Yeah, it's not easy walking around with crystal balls, especially on a cold day like this. They can shatter. But I told you, I told you this last week, Rowan, 
They, you can make the bunker for goal review decisions for the finals. You can set up, you know, a command central with the greatest minds in the game. But when the actual process is flawed, you are going to have problems. And what did I say the biggest problem was last week? That there's no mechanism in place if the ball is marked on the line to stop play and check for decisions. All right, if it goes through for a goal and it's going back to the centre, they can check whether it was or wasn't. They've got a minute. And if it's a point, the game stops. You've got a bit of time to say, hang on, we want to have a look at this. But what happens when a player, let's say we're number 11 for Essendon, has a shot at goal, and right on the goal line, a defender gets his fist to it and then sort of takes a mark and plays on, and the game's continuous. When do we review it? You know when we review it? And you're bloody lucky, Mr. McLaughlin, because you were there to see this happen. We review it about the same time you're packing your bags and leaving the AFL in disgrace because you haven't attended to this. I'm sorry, it's that serious. Essendon had... Gold Coast were in front with a minute to go. Had they hung on and won by three points... That's, now, Zaharakis kicked a goal. It was a goal. No, I'm not getting, Nobody needs to talk about it. Without that mechanism in place, had Essendon lost that game and be put in a position of peril in the eight and given no chance of making the top four, I think a head would have had to have rolled. So I think it still has to roll. It's, it's, you can't thank your lucky stars that Essendon got up and won. You need to face facts that you've... This was exposed, not weeks ago, years ago, but this has been exposed, bare, and you're not doing anything about it. Okay, so what what should happen? They should review it anyway, and if play obviously is continued because the Gold Coast player played on and play continued, they just umpires drag play to, back. Uh, umpires have to have a you know have to has have an earpiece that puts them in contact with the bunker or whoever's currently doing it. And there has to be a stop play, blow whistle. We believe that this decision was incorrect. They have to very quickly. You can't do it after two minutes. You can't have that over and over. Mm. Now, what might have to happen is, this is difficult. What might have to happen is you will have to say to the umpire, stop play, we need to review that. And if it's proven that the goal umpire was correct, then you're just going to have to give the ball back in the last line of defence to the defensive team. Mm. Yes, they will lose the advantage of the run, but I think that's more honest to the fair result than what we had tonight. And just by the by, pretty ordinary call by the goal umpire. Oh, well, I mean, look, it, was, it was a metre over the okay, line. All right, goal umpire made a mistake. They can handle that in the normal course of action in assessing goal umpires. I'm sure that there is a system in place that has goal umpires promoted and relegated on quality of decisions, correct? Yeah. But we're supposed to have a fail-safe, a safety net, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> How did it work tonight? Badly. All right, my last one is another hot, and uh, going back to Friday night, Tom Lynch. He is starting to look the goods. We keep talking about how ominous he and Jack Rewald are as a combination. We're seeing more and more of it. But that was one of the best halves of wet weather football from a tall player I think I've ever seen. He was unbelievable. Four goals in the first half and it was belting down. It wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't just a, a bit of dew. This was pretty solid rain. 
And he was he just handled it cleanly. He marked well. He kicked beautifully. Not only did he kick four goals, fine, he, he set up another two for teammates. And a couple of pickups off his bootlaces, one which led to a goal for a teammate, and the other one I think ended up in a point. But he was just on fire. He was mobile. He was out-bustling all his opponents. His ball handling was better than just about anyone else on the ground. He was in sensational form. And if that is the sort of Tom Lynch the Tigers are going to get for the last month of this home and away season and the finals, well, I absolutely understand why they should be hot flag favourites because he was on fire. You know, we have plenty of historical examples for my final hot of the power behind the throne of the silent operators that have made some of the famous names in history what they are. Behind Napoleon was Pierre Lejapt Beyond. Of course. Do you know him? No. Of course, no one's ever heard of him. I made him up. But let's just say the the Cornell, what was his name behind Hogan? Uh, John. Yeah. Strop. Yeah. And he was the, you know, he created a lot of the uh, Hogan character that was so loved and so successful. Not to mention World Series cricket. Or Delvin Delaney. Mm. So, at Richmond, when Rance got all the headlines, Richmond supporters knew that Dylan Grimes and his assured... Uh, sweeping work and defensive um, defensive mindset allowed Rance to be expansive, correct? Mm. Well, now that Rance is injured, Grimes takes on more the role of Rance. And taking on the Rance role is the little talked about but excellent David Asprey. Yes. And I give him a hot. Yeah, he's a really good player, isn't he? And he, you know what? He was a, a really good player when Richmond weren't necessarily a great side either. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he could be in that uh, list of most undersold players in the competition. And I've wanted him to become a great player because my daughter Harper, who supports Richmond, her first Richmond jumper, she, we bought her a Richmond jumper, she's mad on them, and then she told her mother that she wanted um, Jack Rewalt's number. Mm. So mother went to a sports depot, a place in Chapel Street, what's that, Rebel, and said um, she wants Rewalt's number. And they gave, a, they gave a number 12, <laughs> Nick Rewalt's number, because some moron looked it up, and put number 12 on the jumper. And Harper had to contend with David Asprey when everybody was wearing eight and four. So she now has been sort of, um, um, what's it called, not justified? That vindicated. Vindicated. You know what we used to tell Harper? What? Well, your two favourite players are uh, Dustin Martin and... Rewalt, Jack Rewalt. Yeah. So he added their numbers together. <laughs> Very good. I like those stories. It's like when my brother uh, bequeathed me his old Essendon jumper, which had 23 on it, being the the great Ken Fraser. Yep. Unfortunately, when he bequeathed it to me, it became the Correct. number of Peter Hickmott. Oh, Peter. oh, he was good, Peter. He was good in the footy cards. Yeah, he was in the footy cards. It gave him one up on, on uh, a lot of players. All right, there are hots or nots, and uh, I think Finey, we seem to have been far too good a mood for this tonight, but uh, I'm sure we can summon up a bit of aggro. And, of course, I speak of the rant-off. On Footyology, the rant-off. Right, no buggerising around, Finey. I'm ready to go. Count me in. Three, two, and one. I'm pissed off with injuries, Finey. There's too bloody many of them. To great players, to veterans, to kids, to whole defences and forward lines. It's getting so bad we're not even talking about the games anymore. Every weekend's more like an episode of General Hospital, and winning a game's like winning an episode of Survivor. 
Is there any chance fate's going to cut us a break or two? How about poor old Dale Morris? Doesn't he in March? Gives us one of the best stories of the year, coming back via alternative medicine, ingesting crushed spiders and eye of newt and whatever, and we get to enjoy it for all the five minutes before he does it again. What about Nick Nat Nui? We all love watching Big Nick Nat. He was going to help power West Coast to a second straight flag. There's no one better to watch in the game when he's up and running. And he was getting right back to his best. Now he's out again. Sure, the Eagles might win the flag anyway, but I want the dreadlock giant as part of it. Anything to stop him doing more TV commercials. Sydney were hard enough to watch before Buddy Franklin did his hamstring. Now watching the Swans is even more like watching paint dry. Please hurry back, Buddy. It's not just your club that needs you. It's those those of us who don't like falling asleep in front of a game on the box. Jarman Impey's been a rare bright light for Hawthorne this season. So of course he doesn't need. Jesse Hogan's barely got on the park at Frio. Cornelio, Patton, McDonald, Rance, McCartan, the list goes on and on. Did you know, Finey, players missed almost 16% more games through injury last year than the season before? That figure courtesy of the AFL injury study. How are we going to be travelling five years from now? We might have our first ever forfeit because the club actually doesn't have enough players available to field a team. In fact, we might get that next week when Collingwood plays Gold Coast. Even before the Pies played Richmond, they officially had 16 players unavailable. Okay, so one was because of a positive drug test and another because of gambling. But listen to this list. Aish, Beams, Dunn, Elliott, Kelly, Langdon, Main, Moore, Murphy, Noble, Reed, Towhill, Wells. Now you can add Jordan Degoe and Isaac Kanor to the list. Don't be surprised if you see the names Wearmouth, Barham and Manasseh on the Pies team sheet against the Suns. Well, they've already got a Dacos and a Brown. The worst thing about the Pies' injury crisis is there's apparently now an asterisk against them every time they lose a game. In fact, that asterisk and injury seems to be the most predominant theme of Nathan Buckley's entire coaching tenure. It's bloody boring, Finey. We either need better fitness teams, more players on lists, or bionic footballers. What we certainly don't need is the injury lists on the match details every week that are longer than the goal kickers. Well, Rowan, dangerous territory there. Why is that? I thought you were going to say that we have to allow non-conventional medications oh, and, no. and injections. No, been there, done that. Okay, good. As All right. We don't head down you, that road. You ready to go? Three? It's again unique because I've got two. Oh, no. I've got the mini and then the other. Okay, as long as there's no wrapping. Okay, so... Three, two... One rant. This is the mini rant. Anybody that knows me knows that I was absolutely distracted to a point of insanity at Geelong when I used to go down there and see a, a hoarding for half-price haircuts. Well, I've now got another one that's driven me insane because I watched the Zebras play Casey Debens at Trevor Barker Oval. And there on the outer wing was an ad for Indian Burp Restaurant. <laughs> and every time the world word ball went past there, I said, can't be right. Burp restaurant? So I looked it up. It exists. B-U-R-R-P. Indian Burp restaurant in Cheltenham. Not only was I distracted, it made me very hungry. Now number two. Three, two, one. Rant again. I am done with what has become of the cheer squad. And unfortunately, it's your Essendon that put me onto it. Though it was St Kilda that started it. Look, the cheer squad used to be home for some of the most... Uh, hardcore, serious, albeit troublesome supporters. Remember what they used to do as the ball sailed through before the umpire signalled the goal? How big's your old fella? Up went the two fingers and the entire cheer squad would go, bullshit! Now, those were the days. 
They would wave their floggers. They'd have their streamers. And then they would empty bags of yellow pages cut up after being stolen from phone boxes. Pause in transmission. For young people that don't know what yellow pages or a phone box is, there is an exhibit at the museum. Now, what have they become? they become child-minding centres or gathering places for nuff-nuffs. And how do you know that a cheer squad has completely lost it? I criticised the St Kilda cheer squad for this some years ago and got asked to join them. No thanks. Essendon did it this weekend, which means it's the end of that cheer squad. It is the puerile, the asinine, the prosaic, the hackneyed, the stolen from American basketball. And I finish on this. Death to the Essendon Cheer Squad when I heard, let's go Bombers, let's go, let's go Bombers, let's go. I'll let them go. Oh, mate, newsflash, every Cheer Squad's been doing that for years. Terrible. I'll tell you what Essendon does do that I'm not a Terrible. huge fan of. Terrible. They've got this chant now, we are Essendon, we are Essendon. There you go. What is the traditional chant of an Australian Cheer Squad? Um, something or other. No. Something or other. I understand Essendon probably is the one club that wouldn't want to do it because they can't spell their own name. Mm. Remember the Bombros? I do. Give us an E! Oh, yeah. Remember that? That yeah, was great. Yeah. What about the... Uh, and then the, they follow, give us an O! Give us an N! I don't know. What have we got? Essendon! What, what about if you said bloody and that uh, attracted a fair degree of angst among people, so people used to say ruddy. Are we good? Are we good? Are we any ruddy good? Uh, do you remember the old How Big's Your Old Fella? Yeah, I do. How good? That was hilarious. I do. And goal umpires used to like it, and I swear, <laughs> I'd been, I was behind the goals. This is true. I was behind the goals at Fitzroy once, Yeah. and we, the St Kilda Cheer Squad set, I was sort of par- par- with them, but not in them, and they kept saying, How big's your dick? And... I'm not kidding. One of the goal umpires kept going bigger yeah. and bigger. By the end, he was signalling you know, a wide. I'm telling you, the <laughs> arms were like this, and he was turning around <laughs> smiling. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, and, and because it was in the 80s, what did the umpire look like? Uh, well, he had a moustache, <laughs> he had a white coat, and, well done. Uh, and a hat. They all... Were they cloned? They all had black (laughs) moustaches. That's true. They're all small of stature. All right, let's wrap the rants up right there. All right, last item on the agenda before we go. Competition. We had to delay announcement of uh, last competition winner, but we're up and running again, technically speaking. Finey, what have you got? Now, just quickly, I've responded to those waiting, but the last lot of T-shirts, I only got one size, which was, unfortunately, not what most of you wanted. Tomorrow, I'm picking up the full range, L's, XL's, and double XL's. We've got some big listeners. This week's competition was held over a bit, great hair in footy, and we had some great, great entries. What were the pick? With images, and that's what I was waiting for, my computer, my phone to work. Your Commodore 64. Runners-up, Benny B. A great photo of Graham Bond at St Kilda (laughs) from the footy cards. His eyes were out on stalks. Yeah. And then this giant of hair. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Hard to lose. So bad luck, Benny. Um, Jason Van Nakirk. Now, he did something very clever. Do you know what he titled his entry? What? Competition winner. Ah, very good. <laughs> it didn't Bit win, presumptuous. Though. It was pretty close. Dipper, who did have great big hair. Yep. He's in the full Monty tomorrow night, some TV show oh, where he gets God. naked. Mm. And Josh Gibson, a modern day hair. Ah, yes. Not bad. Yes. Not bad. But the winner is an old favourite from my radio days, Greg Norman. 
That's the guy's name, but G-R-E-I-G. Ah, yes. Always remind me of Keith Gregg and Carl Norman, who yes. both played for North, North Melbourne. Melbourne. And he, with photo, sent Bulldog Defender, oh, this was hair and a half, Peter Welsh. Oh, yes. Peter Welsh is a great bloke. He's now heavily involved with Williamstown CYMS Football Club, yeah. who I umpired their games a few of. He's football manager there. Did he go to the perm at one stage? Well, too? that's what it was. It was ah. a giant perm. And, and in the days when the doggies were wearing the red shorts too. So it was a real full-on sort of mid-70s. And he was a bit of a football interest because rarely at the same time would you have – Peter Welsh is not a common name, mm. but there were two Peter Welshes playing football. Mm. The Footscray Peter Welsh and the Hawthorne and Richmond sadly passed away um, quite young, I think from cancer, Peter Welsh. Mm. But, yeah, there were two Peter Welshes, very different sorts of footballers, and Greg Norman of West Meadows, you're the winner. Well done, Greg. Uh, so we need your size and your address, um, please. Presumptuous he was. He, he put that in with his entry. I did. Assumed that he would do well. He okay. said he used to be an L, but now he's an XL. Well, we'll get our uh, footyology, we'll get our competition division on the case uh, ASAP. And, of course, you will win, or you have won, a Andrews Hamburgers cap, an Andrews Hamburgers T-shirt, and a beautiful 100% organic cotton Argan gym towel valued at $35. You cannot beat this prize pack, and we're going to have a huge prize from Argan uh, come grand final time too. So make sure you keep entering these competitions on a weekly basis. This week's competition reminder, Finey. It's already got a lot of entries, and that is your dream team commentary. Two callers, two special comments, one boundary rider. For it, TV. It is for, it's all forms of media. Just your greatest. If, if Okay. Your dream team, past, present, Let's just imagine the game's broadcast on TV. You can listen to it on radio. But we want the greatest call team of all time. And remember, I've got Rowan Conley in my current Dream Team radio calling boundary rider position. So they're going to have to knock you off. Well, I'm suitably honoured by that. And uh, I, I will respect the whatever decision our uh, competition entrants arrive at. But if you'd like to win the prize. No, no, no. That's got nothing to do with <laughs> no, You don't that. have to butter me up. Big thank you to Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilko and the 80 years young award-winning Andrews Hamburgers. All right, that wraps it up for this Footyology Round 19 review. Thanks for listening. Hope your team got a win. Make sure you enter our competitions and support our sponsors, Andrews Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, and Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. Whenever you need a new house or your house renovated. We're going to leave you this evening with, we talked about it at length earlier, Willie Rioli, a sublime bit of football. I don't know if it'll win goal of the year, but as far as Fonny and I are concerned, give him the cash, give him the gold now, because this wasn't just football, this was art. And this is 10cc Art for Art's Sake.